Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. AM 1150 and iHeart Radio Station. Ah, yeah. Southern California live with Wendell, your butterfly baby, your mariposa bonita at 706 on the Patriot KEIB. Scale of 1 to 10, how ridiculous was that, Phil? I'll give it an 8. I'm getting better. You yeah. know, I, I'm approaching total mass ludicrousness, I think. You think I'll get there in my lifetime? You were there 20 years ago. <laughs> I know. I was like, you're not there yet. I know. I'm trying. You know, every, I mean, you know, you can't hit the bullseye every time. Not all of us are the William Tell of ludicrousness. But I'm trying. Mr. Venom, how are you, sir? Not too bad. My left ear is kind of not working right. But other than that, I'm okay. Your, how are you, sir? Your left ear is a mess, huh? Yeah, I think I'm developing some kind of ear infection or something. Oh, unbelievable. And you are, you are 44 years old, correct? 42. You're 42. Okay. Um, ear infections generally stop when most of us are in single digits, correct? <laughs> I, I don't have that kind of luck. No, you, uh, I, uh, you're regressing. Yeah. You know, yeah, you're, I see. See, you're going on that ridiculous scale. I'm going, I'm not going, I'm not getting younger. I'm just getting younger kids' problems. So you're going to cancel next week's show because of colic or teething? No, no, it'll be chicken pox. Chicken, you watch. You it'll were, be something like that. You were inoculated for measles and mumps oh, and all yeah. that no, stuff. Oh, no, yeah, everything, everything. Okay, before, everything. before we start, because I don't know as, as we talked about talking about this subject— what do you make of this recent development where uh, it has been discovered that the Russian military is behind many of the stories that run on American social media about the evils of vaccination, which may have brought back a minor measles epidemic? Did you see this? I wouldn't be surprised. You have to understand one thing. Yeah. That the Russians are not our friends. Yeah. They have, for some reason— and never let go of the idea that the Cold War ended. Well, and they and never let go of the idea that the first George Bush was outclevered them and ended up breaking up their empire pretty much. You know, that drove well, them crazy. You know? It's just that, and so whatever, their, their primary objective is to bring down their enemy. And in, in their eyes, That's us. they have the information weaponry. It's been the most, po- I mean, think about it. It has done more than any conventional military. I mean, you had everything from the Arab Spring being passed through from this. 
right. the various color revolutions in Central and Eastern Europe. Yep. I mean, it's amazing. And so in their mind, hey, if we can weaken America or any of their enemies, because they're probably doing something similar in Ukraine, right? Uh, it doesn't surprise me. You know, and regarding this anti-vax thing, as far as I'm concerned, I think if your kid, you don't want him to get vaccinated, then your kid should not be in a school with my kid. Sure. Um, which, by the way, is the rule in Los Angeles. Um, we recognize, yes, you do have the right to do this sort of thing. Nobody can make you vax. On the other hand, you don't get to avail yourself of certain public services when your child is a genuine threat to the well-being of others. Um, Correct. You know, but the issue is, is that you're talking about diseases that had more or less disappeared that are now reappearing because people are buying into this stuff. It, they have convinced themselves that, oh, there is an autistic child on every block and it must be vaccinations because this has been floating around on the Internet. But I got a question for you. The explosion in diagnoses of children on the autism spectrum, you know, from Asperger's syndrome and high-functioning autistic children to those that are that are completely nonverbal and, and do not function, this number has skyrocketed, but vac- vaccinations have existed in the United States in great numbers for over 60 years. Yet the autism explosion is a relatively recent phenomenon. You would think that knowing this obvious and mathematical fact that people would deduce well then they're probably not related to each other also the anti-vaxxers kids are turning out to be on the spectrum at the same percentage as kids that get vaccinated so yeah, i mean who, who would have thought look at when you were a teenager you rebelled by listening to wild music and other kids rebelled against their parents and then the new rebellion is getting chicken pox <laughs> it's getting the measles yeah. right yeah, i'll show know, them but- <laughs> yeah, how dare you? I'm going to take Tylenol, you know, <laughs> you know, because there are some people, but that's the latest thing. I don't know if you heard that apparently Tylenol and a lot of over-the-counter headache medicine. Yeah. That, that they're warning, don't take it if you're pregnant. You're going to give your kid some terrible pro- syndrome or something. And I, I got to tell you, this is what? getting out of hand. And it's been debunked a million, even Jenny McCarthy, who originally was an anti-vaxxer. Yeah. Yeah. Has come out and says she was wrong. Yeah, but they don't, but they don't care. And also recognize if you, if you first get people to not believe sources of information that they identify as being too much with the mainstream, it means that anything that anyone hears in the mainstream can now be questioned, including vaccinations, which may or may not cause autism. But in reality, (laughs) if there is a connection to autism, a direct one, it has not yet been found. Okay. Well, well the, prob- the problem is as climate change proceeds, yeah. we are going to see the reintroduction or the mutation of neither new or existing viruses or pathogens or what have you. Of course. <laughs> I mean, Bless you. just today. Yeah. Thank you. Just today, they were talking about how in Norway, that with the permafrost becoming less frosty, we could say. Up, up in the northern part saw, near the Arctic Circle. In the, near the in Arctic. They, they suffered the first time of the emergence in the animal kingdom a form of the bubonic plague that has not been seen in maybe twelve to 1,500 years. 
a, a new and better version of plague has been unleashed, unleashed from melting uh, tundra. Is that what you're telling me? Is, yes, but the thing is this. Um, there's other pathogens, other viruses that can easily be spread by birds. Right. That, I mean, there could be forms of the measles we as a species have not seen in maybe 10,000 years. Wow. Unbelievable. And I thought like I was going to to die by a gunshot from an irate listener or something like that. But in reality, no. what's going to kill me is like something that that, that melts in the Yukon that, that gets brought down by uh, an itinerant uh, Iditarod type. And uh, that, that's what's going to wind me up in the hospital, infected to death in my dotage by this. You're going to be you're going to be most likely die of a Tibetan sinus infection <laughs> or something that's going to appear. From the Himalayas. Wow. Yeah, you never know. But in all seriousness, this is why this anti-vaccine, because, you know, yes, these kids are now getting the vaccination. Right. What happens if, because a lot of these vaccinations are also based off of diseases. I mean, the flu vaccine. Sure. Right? Yeah. Well, what happens if you have a mutation, introduction or mutation and, and, and the vaccination, you get like a superbug. Sure, or you know, or the I mean, vaccination. Uh, for instance, with with a lot of the flu shots, uh, the first thing that somebody who endorses a flu shot will tell you when you say, "Well, they're not entirely, you know, they're not a hundred percent. Sometimes it's good if they're thirty or forty percent effective." What they'll tell you is that is true. But on the other hand, if they cut your symptoms down by twenty twenty five percent, you may yeah, may do okay. I mean, I know that in the last week I have had a miserable form of a cold, but I keep fighting the thing off, and I wonder if it's because I got the flu shot this year. If they're, if they're related to each other, I have no idea. Uh, you know, no as, as far as I know, I'm, I'm awaiting, like, the Norwegian gloomy hand. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The black death that you're talking about, that, you know, the, that the the ill winds are going to blow over the Arctic and down through Canada and, and Montana and Wyoming and Nevada and eventually end up in L.A. County and all of us are going to be, you know, hacking up our lungs and our spleens and our pancreases, you know. Now, now, I don't know. Maybe the Paraguayan chicken pox. But the thing is this. There is an economic impact on the anti-vaccine. Which is? Which is you have a lot of sick people. Yeah, that's true. Okay, not just children, but this easily could spread to adults. Because what we are seeing also, this anti-vaccine thing may actually not be a new thing. I think it's like generation two of this. And so as a result, you have a lot of adults out there. And we know for a fact that, you know, I I was joking five seconds about a minute ago about you know, me getting children's chicken pox, but actually an adult getting chicken pox actually can have a much more serious if they've never had it before. Oh, yeah. No, I remember when I was in fourth of, no, I had to be in fifth or sixth grade. I had one of those diseases, I think the mumps, you know, one that you couldn't get vaccinated for back then. It was either the measles or the mumps or the chicken pox. I mean, you know, we're talking 1967, 1968 or something. And I got it, my younger brother got it, and my dad got it from us. 
And my dad was an absolute hypochondriac weakling on the issue of any kind of illness. And he was screaming and wailing like a two-year-old with this thing. The worst that it was for me was I remember that I had fever dreams and hallucinations and stuff, but it wasn't all that bad. I had it for about four or five days, and I was back to normal. But from my father, he was a grown man, and it was, you know, he was a 45-year-old man, and it was just making him completely nutsy-cuckoo, you know? I mean, and, and, then, and then you have things like polio. Yeah, which are coming back. My, getting back right. to the issue of my dad, and you can ask your dad about this, is my father used to say the polio season was terrifying because you everybody knew somebody, little Billy or little Jenny or whatever, right. who ended up in an iron lung because they drank out right. of a water fountain on the playground that had polio in it. And, you know, my grandmother, would when, the, when there were outbreaks, would literally put my father and uncle in, in quarantine until they passed, you know. Because at that point, everybody knew or had heard that FDR had had polio and stuff like that. And they were like, well, you know, FDR was a great man and all that stuff, but I don't want my kid in a wheelchair or in an iron lung or to die, you know. And then the the sock vaccine comes along and, and polio more or less disappears. I think in my entire life, I knew one person that ever got polio. You know, the idea that it comes back. I mean, come on. I haven't yeah. had a polio vaccine in, what, 50 years? You know, my, I don't want to do that again. My question is this, though. Yeah. My question is this, and I know this is going to irk people, but should we mandate or take a stronger stance against anti-vaxxers? Now, I know what you just said earlier. Right. They have every right to. Yeah, they do. But uh, if something should arise. Yeah, I understand what that. If there's a, if there's a, the public have? if there's a public health emergency, say, but until that actually happens, you can't. You can't mandate people's rights away based on something that hasn't happened yet. Unfortunately, sure, that's the sure. way things work. Johnny, can you hang on through the break? Absolutely. Very good. It is 718. We shall return. Wendell, K-E-I-B. Southern California Live, Wendell at 725 with Johnny Venom in tow. Mr. Venom, how are you, sir? Uh, not too bad. I had a sinus attack right that moment ago, but I'm good. I'm ready to go. There, there isn't a single part of your body that is not in full rebel against you today. I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I don't know what it is. I, do you think, that, I you think your body is telling you it wants to go back to Illinois? Uh, no. Okay. Not <laughs> Illinois. Maybe may may California. But ah, Illinois. that's what it's saying. Yeah. Okay, uh, one more thing before we get down to the real nitty-gritty of, of local business. Have there been any yogi sightings near you None in the last whatsoever. week? None. None. Yeah. And is, None. is it snowy and cold right now? Well, we are slated to get a dump of snow about up to 11 inches yeah. tonight. Yeah. But uh, you know what? The weatherman is not that good at predicting stuff here. Okay. So in all likelihood, Yogi is in hibernation mode. I, I would say so. I mean, nobody has seen him now since I last talked to you about a week ago. Right. And so and that was a week, too. And also that. Uh, so, yeah, I, I say uh, he's probably in hibernation. Right. The elk are out. I mean, I oh. can tell you the story. 
yeah, but uh, but that's you, you know, know they're they're a different breed, sir. Right. Yeah. The state of California intends to sue the Trump administration over the national emergency declaration for the border wall. Now, our governor said a couple of days ago that the state was planning to sue Trump over its declaration of an emergency on the southern border with Mexico, delivering on a promise that our attorney general made, Javier Becerra, to, quote, reject this foolish proposal in court the moment it touches the ground. Now, um... According to Newsom, the courts will be the last word. Trump is not. Uh, He has also said the wall is a vanity project and a monument to stupidity. No other state is going to be impacted by this declaration of emergency more than California is. You know, we need the money for wildfires. But Mm -hmm. uh, legal scholars say it's not clear how California or any of its agencies is injured by the declaration of the national emergency. It may come down to which programs he uses to finance the wall. So, in other words, what Becerra's argument is going to be is you, we were promised $12 billion to fight wildfires that at some point, or we asked for them, we put in for them, they were an emergency all over the state. That's what we need. This We do not want a border wall bes- be, between ourselves and Mexico anyway. We want this cash, therefore we're going to sue to stop. I tend to agree with this Professor Winkler that the standing of the state itself, whatever one thinks about the wall, whether you like the idea or not, is a dubious one. You know, what? where is California actually injured by having the, the border wall is the question, you know. You already have one. And we've got fencing and stuff like that, sure. No, I mean, I mean, you could upgrade it a little bit if you wanted to, but, you know— He's stupid in the way he wanted to finance this. He could have easily financed this through a tax on remittances or foreign currency exchanges that go to Latin America, for example. Right. You could have done that. I mean, that's that's $200 billion a year. Okay. Okay, so, I mean, if you take 12% of that out— you know, then you're talking about what twenty four billion dollars a year. The wall would go. the wall would be built in five and he six years. Done that. He no, could I, have avoided everything by by asking for a tax on currency exchanges or remittances going to certain countries. Sure, you know we have in the United States of America say about ten to eleven million undocumented immigrants, and lots of them send lots of money via wire to Guatemala, Honduras, Nicaragua, El Salvador. I mean, you you cannot go through a lower middle class or working class neighborhood in Southern California, and Isabella and Phil can back me up on this, without seeing signs in Spanish saying this is a good place to wire money back to your family in Central America. You know, I would not stop there. I would not even touch on South or any Latin America. I would say... Do it for every country. Sure. I mean, if, if for you, no other reason, would prevent the money from leaving America. You know, you want to make your fortune no, in America and send the money away. What? I disagree. It, it, it's not going to prevent it. It just makes it more expensive. You may see on the margins people cut back, but you'll still collect the money. Unlike his claims that China is paying us the money in tariffs, which is not true. It's not the same okay. thing. Johnny, when we come back, we'll talk some more about this. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 7.30, Wendell. Please stay tuned. Doesn't make sense. Southern California live with Wendell at seven thirty six PM with Johnny Venom and warming up in the bullpen to join us again. There he is, Mr. Venom. Yes, sir, I'm here. In the last segment, we began discussing the state of California suing the Trump administration over the emergency declaration. And a UCLA professor saying, well, it's kind of hard to say where California's legal standing is in this. Um, Suing somebody because you just don't like something uh, I'm not an attorney, I and I don't play one on the radio. I am assuming that that it, you need some sort of standing, or you need an issue that is immediately remedied by a, a temporary restraining order or an injunction or whatever they seek. There is a danger here. Yeah, there is a danger if you're just going to sue him because he declares a national emergency, right? Versus anything else, right? then what you could encounter is a situation with a Democratic president, and there will be one right? Um, eventually. Right. That, let's just say you have a, a real national emergency, earthquake, natural disaster. Right, right. Or even... Well, we've, had, we, a moment, we've had 59 of them, <laughs> just so you know. Right. They're, they're, they're fairly but, common. Yeah. But let's assume for a moment that President Trump is able to get away with this. Right. That somehow the court say, you know what? He can change the funding. Right. Okay. Whatever. Yep. Okay. Well, then uh, let's assume for a moment he doesn't win re-election, or and the next president is a Democrat, and they decide, well, we have a national emergency in healthcare, right? And I'm going to take money to, to form a national health plan, right? Then what that president could encounter is the potential of lawsuits from attorney generals, and we saw this with Obamacare. Right. So there is precedent here. Oh, sure. You know, I I mean, both sides love to do this kind of thing to each other, and you know I'm not a fan of both sides do it in any way, shape, and form. No, I agree. Okay. But but this is is where it gets kind of interesting here. If – and I I was reading an analysis – of how this plays popularity-wise. Um, the fact of the matter is is that no matter what somebody feels about the uh, fixed fortification on our southern border, the majority of Americans don't really like the idea very much, and they really don't like the idea of a declaration of emergency. Now, while it is true that Newsom and uh, Javier Becerra are probably playing a stall game, what will ultimately stall the border wall probably to death 
will be lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit by private landowners in Texas and in California who simply say we're not selling to the federal government. And, you know, you're yeah. going to take it. Okay, you're going to take it by eminent domain. Uh, we'll sue you to stop you from doing this. And if you figure, if the state of California were, for example, to buy a 50-mile stretch of land where the border wall would theoretically go somewhere in between uh, the ocean and San Diego and, and uh, Yuma, Arizona, say, and then seed uh, five-foot lots to, oh, I don't know, 260,000 separate Californians, then the federal government would have a much harder time because you'd have to find all of them in order to buy the land from them or to seize it from them. You know, ultimately, that would slow things down considerably because if the federal government starts building something on a piece of property and I, my name's on it, and you haven't compensated me for it, and the wall's up, I sue you. I didn't give you any permission, and you didn't I, take it from me. You just started building, you know. I, I think there's other actors in here we haven't mentioned. Which are what? Let's go back to the, the money part. It's, right. We have an idea what he said he would take the money from. Right. We don't know if that's the case. We know from drug interjections from the cartels, and there's two other ones. Well, they, um, want to take, but they want to take money from veterans' housing as well, upgrades okay. in military housing. I, I, I guarantee you this. The $8.1 billion he's now on, going to think is going to rise. And I guarantee the beneficiaries who were originally going to get this largest are also going to initiate lawsuits. I mean, imagine for a moment you are a construction company building housing for veterans or right. even Army bases, right? Right. And you're doing it in a red state. But well, I suspect they're going to try and be surgical about this and pick only blue states. And we do not put that past him. Right. Okay. Like like uh, so, like upgrades in military housing at Edwards or in Twenty Nine Palms or in or Pendleton. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, those beneficiaries, uh, for lack of a better word, are, are going to sue. Right. You are going to see people who would get another type of contracts. Okay. Let's go back to the interjections of. Uh, the drug money, right? Right. That money was supposed to be slated, I believe, towards a program to help police, who he originally said, we're going to give you military equipment. And Obama, that President Obama said no. Right. But, but that this used military equipment had to be repaired. Right. That's where this money was going towards. Right. Now well, it's not going to what be. A, yeah. What about those people? Yeah. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that when you query a hundred Americans say you will get 30 to 32 percent of them who are very keen to have a wall between Mexico and the United States. For some reason, they believe that this is going to cure a lot of the nation's problems. But on the other hand, about two thirds of the country doesn't really see it that way. They see illegal immigration as, as probably a problem of some importance. But the idea that uh, the Ebola virus or members of Al-Qaeda and ISIS are coming across the border. They know it's not true. They also know it's a, it's a fascinating study here, Johnny, when you think about it, is if you think about the people that are most fanatical about wanting the wall fast, is these are the same people that tend to believe a lot of stuff that you know isn't true and are very, very passionate about it in such a way that it can be extraordinarily alienating to the people that they're dealing with. Like you look at them and you go, wow, you know, you get the cray, you know, when you listen to this stuff. I mean, I, I have heard uh, stories about 
exotic diseases I had never heard of coming up from Central America, brought in by migrant caravans that never got anywhere near the border. And people were saying, we need a border wall for this. And, and, and I laugh at him and I go, let's say that we signed off on the border wall tomorrow. The, f- the first portion of it that would be acceptable for you wouldn't go up for 10 years. So I don't understand why you, why you believe this is such a great idea. You know, I, I look, there are a lot of people in the United States who do not feel safe at all. Are we no. in agreement on this, right? Yes. They're, they're very, very afraid of things coming over borders or they're very afraid of people they don't recognize who don't talk like them, like the same stuff that they do, eat the same food, speak the same language, wear the same clothes, look like them. That kind of stuff flips them out, right? So they want some sort of assurance that there won't be too many of these kinds of people everywhere they go. And these are the people that are easy marks for loud politicians who believe that if I pick the crudest, loudest, meanest solution to a problem that probably requires a much more complicated cerebral uh, solution, I'm going to do well with a certain kind of person. There's a real litmus test here that you can apply. Which is what? Okay, because right now the wall is more of an abstract for a fear that they have. That's right. You know what I'm getting. Of course. No, there were, there, there, it's like a, a public enemy made a record, what, about 30, 35 years ago called yeah, Fear, yeah, fear of exactly a Black Planet. Yeah, Fear exactly. of a Black Planet, right? Exactly. So it's, it's like, you know, what you have is fear of a brown America, you know. Well, That's what they're I afraid would say of. this. That's what they're afraid anybody of. Who is, so well, I would say this. Anybody who is really, truly sincere about this, and everybody may say this sincere, but, you know, the ones who are really serious about this who think that, okay, we need to control the situation. Yeah. Unless they also have included going after employers to the Never same degree. Happen. Never no, no. happen. Never. Exactly. Yeah. That's Never my happen. point. Yeah, Never they happen. don't bring it up. I, I Trump has not I think one percent of the time he talks about this and he bring it up. Never. Ninety percent of it's MS thirteen and all that. But really to anybody who is listening. Bring up, come up with ideas that go after the employers. Well, they have one. They have one. We have E-Verify. We have E-Verify. I mean, beyond, no, no, no. Isabella, we have E-Verify in this this very office, do we not? True, we We do. do. Phil, we have E-Verify in this very building. Every business in this building has like a little poster up on its wall saying. It's not enforced. Okay. Okay. And by the way, just out of curiosity, the main proponent of the border wall in America is the present president of the United States. That is true. Donald Trump is championing this wall. Has Donald Trump, as a major employer of employees, ever employed illegal immigrants? Has he or has he not? Of course he has. Okay, they're speaking out right now, and he's he's done it for years in various businesses. So I I would say to the people who believe this is a man who is going to save us, it's like this is a guy who is running on keeping out the same people he hires. In other words, he has no intention of keeping them out. He wants you to think that that he's on your side fighting your battles for you, but the fact of the matter is, is his resorts could not function without undocumented immigrants. Okay, that's it. I think deep down inside he knows he's never going to get it filled. But he wants everybody to think, I am the champion of American conservatism. Okay? And I think that that is extraordinarily important because he believes 
that if I get 90% of American conservatives to vote for me, I will be reelected. He doesn't understand that conservatives in America are less than 30% of the populace now, you know. So, and if you are polarizing enough and loud enough, you make your liberal opposition really eager to vote against you, which was not the case in 2016, you know. So, you know, I don't know what he's gunning for. I, I mean, I suspect he wants his base to think that he's their champion so that he can go and have rallies where they tell him he's the greatest thing since sliced whatever. And that's 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 what turns him on, you know. But in terms of a border wall, this is a guy who's been hiring illegal immigrants for, since the 1980s. He doesn't want illegal immigration to stop. And he said certainly his contributors in the agriculture business, do not want this to stop. Donald Trump builds hotels in the hotel business. You're going to tell me with a straight face, Isabel, how many hotels we got in California? You know damn well some of them employ undocumented oh, immigrants. Oh, there's no doubt. Every yeah. single cleaning person, yeah, undocumented immigrants. Yeah. And you're telling me Trump yeah. Towers never don't have any? Come uh, on. Yeah. That's a lie. Of course not. Okay. We know this. You know, why would I pay somebody $18, $20 an hour when I can pay him seven fifty? All right. And and by the way, the one who's getting seven fifty seven fifty and getting ba- benefits and is too terrified to say anything lest they get sent back to Honduras. You know, that that, by the way, my friend, is hogs heaven for an employer, because essentially what you have is slaves. They don't have any rights. You know, you cross me, you're on a boat back to Belize, you know. So uh, that's. It's a, it's a perfect win-win for them. Plus, they can go in front of their base and say, see how much we hate these horrible uh, liberals who are trying to destroy your way of life. You know, the liberals' answer back to them is, I don't hire any undocumented immigrants, and you do. Phil is giving us the cut sign, Yabo. Can you hang on? Very good. Absolutely. Southern California Live with Wendell, 750. Stay tuned. Ah, the big crowd pleaser last night. Size. That's with a Z, not a G-H. Phil, I had to uh, show some people at the ba- one of the bars I played at last night where they could find the Size song online. They were, they were most pleased, you know. Um, the song seems to be growing in popularity every day. Be here all week. Johnny Venom finishes up the show with us, sir. Are you there, Mr. Venom? I am here. You are there. Sir, commercial recycling in L.A. will be free and millions of refunds will be handed out. Free money. What do you make of Recyc L.A.? There's no such thing as free money. But I I agree. I mean, it's about time. But I wish they would do it also with single-family homes because this way, I mean, because otherwise, you know, you're going to get a bunch of people that will do this and a bunch of people that won't. Okay. Well, I don't. I mean, since you're going to pile out some money out here, you might as well have it covering everybody. Think about it as, as a single payer version for recycling. I have a question for you. Okay, in case you don't yeah. know what this is, uh, I think a couple of years, maybe it was two years ago now, Recycle LA came out, a new commercial trash pickup program designed to make the city leaner and greener. Okay, you know the mm-hmm. idea was that um, you get. You know, it, 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 you get free right. money, okay, for, for being a good recycling doobie, correct? 
you know, yeah, for, you, you get, yeah. I mean, for all intents and purposes. Thing, yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, to me, here's something, As and by the way, you know, we recycle fastidiously. I'm not looking for pats on the back or going, oh, what a save the planet wonderful person you are, Johnny. It's just you just get used to it. It's one of those things where I think that you condition yourself to go, ah, you know anything you can recycle, you do recycle. Also, um, we have a lot of uh, indigents in our neighborhood, and if I have empty bottles or cans, I make sure they're in a place where they can take them to go get them and cash in. They need the money a lot more than I do, you know. And as long as we're on that particular tack, instead of giving out millions to people for just doing what you should be doing anyway, why not take the millions and give it to homeless people directly? Well, that's another way. And yeah. I've got another question for you. Yeah. You know, all this stuff gets sent to these places, but you always read about how only a fraction of the stuff slated for quote unquote recycling even doesn't get any, only gets recycled. Right. I, I, I mean, no, seriously, if you're going to parlay out this money, I want to make sure as a taxpayer, if I were in LA County, that 100% or at least close to that, other stuff being picked up is getting recycled. You'd hope. But, you know, uh, are there any guarantees? That's the issue. You can make sure there is. Absolutely. How you would can. you do that? They do it in listen, they do it in Europe. How? They do it in Singapore. They can do it here. Singapore is a city state. Where in Europe does it this work? It doesn't matter. Okay. It doesn't matter. I mean, uh, you could tell me there are not local recycling companies who can, who you know who only take 10% of the stuff and the rest goes to the dump. No. <laughs> there is money in this. I guess it's already. I got, I got a question for you. You know what else there would be money for? Why do we not have a massive biomass plant in Los Angeles? So we end up like Sweden, where they can't, where where they're like pleading for the rest of Europe to send them their garbage. <laughs> you know, I I mean, why can't we do that in L.A.? Like, we get rid of all the landfills. You know, we just burn. I, we just turn you. all of it into nice raw energy. Not only that, like the same thing with the water uh, thing we keep talking about, the desalinization. Uh, uh, dude, can... I got to tell you something. That topic is going to have to be put on ice because I, I can't say as I speak for all the people of Southern California, but some of us right now might like a slight respite from the rain. Okay, like maybe four or five days where we don't get a shower, where we our streets don't turn into lakes. Johnny, we're about to get booted. You. We'll see you next week. Southern California Live with Wendell. Talk to you. Yeah, Southern California Live with Wendell. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Johnny Wendell joined in studio for the next two segments so far by Mr. Mo Kelly of the Mo Kelly Show on our sister station KFI AM 640. Mr. Kelly has arrived. Good evening, Johnny. Sir. Good to see you. Uh, who won the All-Star game, do we know? Uh, Team LeBron won. I just got the notification. I didn't get to see much of it. And who is the likely MVP? I don't know. Because we know Team Giannis would, and Ted Aquampo scored about 40 points or so. Yeah, usually they don't give it to the uh, loser. Yeah, yeah. so it's going to be somebody else. 
Oh, well, c'est la vie, uh, you know, the, the game in which defense does not exist in any way, shape, or form is now over. Yeah, it's hard to say it's, it's a game when no one's really trying for most of the game. No, it's, just, it's, fun, for the, it's fun for fans, and it's fun for, uh, for the players. Kevin Durant was named All-Star MVP. And this is the second or third time he has been. Correct? Don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Where do you think Mr. Durant uh, ends up next year? Uh, Golden State. You think he's going to resign? I think he's going to resign because a, a friend of mine said, "Don't ever try to get happier than happy." There's <laughs> not a better situation for him, right? Um, where is he going to go? Which is money aside. I mean, right. he's not going to make more money going to another team, so money can't be the issue. So it has to be a better situation. He has been the man on a team and saw how unpleasant that could be in OKC when he was struggling with Russell Westbrook. Well, and also a, when he was the man in Oklahoma City, they did make it to one NBA Finals. Yeah, they yeah, did. And they didn't win, but they did, and they won one game in the Finals. But uh, he did it, and, you know, and, and now Russell is no longer the man in OKC himself. Right, and I don't know what motivation is behind anything that Kevin Durant would do, but on the outside, I just don't see how his basketball career prospects – or his brand more generally, is improved by leaving the championship team, which is not done yet. They are not done. Oh, it's true. You know, as long as they can maintain their core. I mean, I would assume that their uh, center is a a temporary hire. Once he proves he can play, he'll go somewhere else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But other than that, I think that uh, the core of their big four, Mm -hmm. their all-stars, will be, why not stay together, you know? could end up breaking all kinds of records. That core is relatively young. I am so disappointed in you. Why did you opt not to go Al Green there? Let's stay together, start singing, let's stay together. Why would I do that? Yeah, you would never <laughs> do it like that. No, you would just recite the year it came out. That's yeah, all. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. I, I, look, there are certain things one doesn't do. One does not spit in the wind, nor does one tug on Superman's cape. One does not break into a falsetto version of an Al Green song unless one is Al Green himself. You don't have, no, there are parts of that song which is not in falsetto, like the first part yeah. of the song. Don't make me start singing. Just take my word for it. No, I know. Although, uh, I have had you sing on this show before, and you were yeah. excellent. Yeah. When you busted into, do you remember? What Do you remember what you it was sang? A, it was a uh, Doobie Brothers song. Right, it was. What a Fool Believes, I believe. What a Fool Believes. Tawala, you were here. You were standing next to him, correct? Yes. Was that not a magnificent version of that song? Yes. Look, and I know Mo can sing. Yeah. No, he did it well. Uh oh. Uh oh. Ah. <laughs> so in love with you, whatever you, you want, want to do is all I need. You. All right, I'm done. Ah, there you go. I Into never. the falsetto. You went into falsetto. You said you weren't going to, and you I said did. you could. No, there are parts <laughs> of the song that are not in falsetto, but my voice would be falsetto. Have you ever seen the Reverend Al Green in person? Just once once performing. And what was Hollywood your opinion? Bowl. Fantastic. Okay. I've mm-hmm. never seen him. Yeah. In all the, you know, Al Green, because I'm way older than you, as we know, um, was a very peculiar anomaly. In he the still early seventies, no, I mean he was really peculiar. He's be, he's veered into Al Green territory now, and he's all by himself doing what he does. But 
you're talking about somebody whose records were bedrock, hardcore soul music Mm -hmm. at a time when soul music was thought to be archaic and antiquated. And you would hear his stuff like Let's Stay Together and... uh, uh, Love and Happiness, which is all my mm-hmm. always my favorite hit of his, Take Me to the River, yep. and those songs. And you'd hear him, and the first thing you'd think of is Otis Redding. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, and Otis died in 1967. Yes. Very comparable. Especially, mm-hmm. you know, who was that? Was Willie Mitchell the drummer on all those high records things? I mean, he had that Al Jackson Jr. thing with the right hand down that was just so beautiful. I mean, such a remarkably good, steady, fine-sounding drummer. Which leads us back to the idea of something you and I were talking about recently on the night of the Grammys. The idea that a bunch of men and women get into a room, they have a song, they're reading the lyrics, they're reading the charts, they're reading the melodies, they fig- they go through it a few times, they do it. Mm-hmm. That's gone. No, that yeah, doesn't, that's gone. That yeah. doesn't exist anymore. Charts, what are those? Session musicians, what are those? Yeah. I remember years ago, there was this, Tuala, you may have seen this. There was the the Dancing in the Streets. It was a 10-part uh, thing on the history of rock and roll music from all the way back in the late 1940s when the music was born with uh, Fat Man, the mm. Fats Domino record, all the way up to uh, electronic dance music. And at the very end, they were interviewing the father of techno, a gentleman by the name of Derek May who's a DJ in Detroit and considered the inventor of techno. Okay. And Derek was very pleased that he had murdered off the idea of live musicians. He said, screw session musicians. You want to have a track? I'll make a track for you myself. I don't need any of these so-called experts. He was really, really very cocky and arrogant. You wanted to reach through the screen and strangle him, Mm. you know? And I thought to myself, I wonder how Derek feels now on the idea that, the eye of being musical and creating music, those two things don't have anything to do with each no, other. No, uh, music doesn't even have melody most of the time, much less harmony. Every so often you'll hear something. Because I heard a contemporary hit song. I wish I could remember what it was called. There you go. But uh, I, w- I was playing a gig last night. I was in between, uh, where was it, 29 Palms and Landers. And it was right near the Marine base, and I stopped to get uh, mm-hmm. put gas in the car and get a soda because I was thirsty and I needed caffeine. And there was a contemporary hit radio station was playing behind the counter right mm-hmm. down the street in Twenty Nine Palms Marine base, and it was a good song. And I was thinking I should hang out for the next couple of minutes and figure out what this is. It was woman singing, and it was a really good song. And I thought it's got to be old. it's got to be 10 15 years old it's got to be old it can't this can't be contemporary we need you to download a shazam app or something like that so you can just have the music identified for you technology is a beautiful thing yeah but i i I think my phone was in the car well that might be a problem i should have just asked i mean but but still when you think about that there's still even if you heard a great harmony right it's not a record that was sung in harmony no it's a record that was produced and the the harmony was layered over and over yes. and over. Yeah, via you, you're you aware know. of what Melodyne is. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. yes. It's me- In fact, we when we were on your show last week and we were talking about that uh, hip hop record of sorts with Christine Aguilera singing the chorus. Remember that right? Mm-hmm. Of that yeah. jam of sorts. And the beginning of the thing, it had a chord being played, and then manually 
out of pitched, tune, pitched yeah. down, yeah. then pitched up, then vocal harmonies on them, and you could tell that they were stacked electronically, that yeah. nobody was singing them, mm-hmm. you know. And I think to myself, well, you know, if something sounds good, what, what do I care where it comes from? But then I think about it and I go, but I can hear the phoniness in it. It's like if if you were eating, because Isabella and I were talking about omelets, not a few minutes ago, right? If you're eating an omelet, you knew that every ingredient in it was like some weird chemical thing as opposed to fresh vegetables from your garden. You can tell the difference. Let me put it another way. There's something more pleasing and attractive about the imperfection of the human voice. Oh, yeah. And also human playing as opposed to a synthetic drum or a synthetic piano, which doesn't have any degree of uh, attack. Or you decay. Can, decay, yeah. Right. Or, or everything is, is electronically tuned to A at 440, as opposed to a piano tuner carefully tuning the thing. So every imperfection is at least in harmony with, with every other imperfection. Right. I mean, you know, it's funny you mentioned this, and the first thing I thought of, because you know your first thought on in Talk Radio 101, they teach us this, first thought's the best one. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was thinking of Aretha Franklin's first hit song, I Never Loved a Man the Way That I Loved You, from 1967. They brought the song in. They were convinced it was a hit. And everybody's sitting around going, we don't know what to do with this thing. I mean, theoretically, it looks like it would be good. The lyrics are good. They didn't know what to do. And Spooner Oldham, who plays electric piano on that song, he's like, okay, nobody's got anything. He started playing that famous riff that starts the song off. You know like over-accentuating the rhythm of just, just the E and A chords going back and forth. And and Spooner sat down, on the, seen a video of him doing this. He goes like, we just didn't have anything, so I just started comping this this lick. And all of a sudden, everybody falls in behind it and goes, and Aretha Franklin's like, okay, we, got, we have a song now. Mm-hmm. Now I know where to put the downbeats. I know where the melody goes. I know how this thing works. You imagine trying to do that electronically? You wouldn't. It was like it was one guy sitting at a at a fifty dollar beat up electric piano that sounded awful and out of tune, that played this riff that sounds really ominous and weird. Because music back then was an expression of the musicians. You could feel something in an emotional sense, where electronic music, it, it or electronically created music doesn't have that emotional footprint but think about where that's gonna go for future generations like yeah. my children's children to grow up in a world where all the music they have is synthesized and created on a computer right. versus on any instrument whatsoever all three of us everyone in this room likely we grew up listening to real music there yeah. is music that has moved generations there are songs that have led movements right when you think about what future generations are gonna have you take that away you have a lack thereof for future generations to even relate to each other. First thought, best thought, beginning with Mo. What Tawala was talking about, name the most recent song that was earth-shattering that you heard on the radio. And if you say Shallow by Lady Gaga, you will never be on the earth show Earth-shattering? <laughs> I, I, would, I would say this. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it was earth-shattering, but the closest thing I could find to it, I don't see. I don't know. You I don't can't. Know. I can't you think can't. Of one. Not in recent years. I mean, for me, there's a song by Tanea Taylor 
Um, I don't even know the name of it. All right, then it's not. That's what I'm saying. I mean, but yeah. as far as what's out right now, yeah. I was like, wow, this sounds like something from the 90s. That's what drew there me to go. it. There you go. Reminiscent yeah. derivative of I, I, yeah. I just said to myself, it's wow, old this is something sound. Mary yeah. J. Blige would have put out back in the day. I can rock with this. Yeah, so, I know, because you know. it's familiar, because yeah. it scratches an itch in you that is familiar. Right. You know, it's it's like if I hear something that clearly is sort of a cop from Little Richard or Buddy Holly or something from the 50s, I'll start smiling. It's mm. just like, ah, because their music just gave off such a good feeling for me, even though Buddy died when I was three and Richard went into the ministry when I was you two. You mean like a Megan Trainer? Yeah, even All About the Bass, which sounds like a, 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 it's a song. It's a 50s song. It sounds 50s like the riff. 50s. Yeah. You know, and it also has like that kind of chugging Calypso thing from the early 60s, like It's My Party by Leslie yeah. Gore, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and and you listen to it and you go, yeah, you know, this is cool. And do not break into one of them songs, Phil, if you don't mind. He's like looking at me going, I'll play whatever I want. Southern California Live with Wendell A20, Tuala Mo, and I'll be back. Stay tuned. Southern California Live with Wendell. With Mo Kelly and Tawala Sharp from the Mo Kelly Show from KFI, our sister station, joining us for these remaining four minutes and change because we went completely insane uh, in the first segment, as we have a tendency to do. Uh, Mo, what would you talk about in the first hour of your show tonight on KFI? We talked about Colin Kaepernick. He won, but he didn't push his issue forward. He won against the NFL. Uh, some published reports estimate that he, in his suit against the NFL, garnered $80 million in the settlement. The, oh, the terms were undisclosed, yeah. but also means the evidence which would have embarrassed the NFL that they were trying to hide was also undisclosed. Did he have a co-defendant in this, Eric yes, Reed? Yes, he did. Eric yeah. Reed. Okay. And what was Eric's contention? Because we know how Mr. Kaepernick's career was damaged. Well, we uh, Eric was alleging mostly the same thing, that owners conspired to limit his opportunities to play with other teams because there was a, a, there was a time in which he did not get uh, a contract or any offers from other teams, even though that he was a Pro Bowl-level safety. Now, uh, wouldn't that indicate that there was collusion between the owners to make sure that these people didn't work in the field that they were skilled at? That was the whole point of the lawsuit. Now, we will never know specifically what they had, I should say, the uh, Kaepernick or Reed had, because they settled, and so all this is now non-disclosure. Okay, so to wrap all of this up in a beautiful box with a ribbon to Walla. Colin Kaepernick probably just made more money not playing professional football as a former football player than he ever would have if he'd stayed in the pros. Is that a fairly accurate statement? I'd agree with that. Okay. Uh, Mr. Kaepernick probably doesn't have to worry about head injuries because he didn't play as much as, say, uh, Tom Brady or Drew Brees did. He's only 31. Right, Mm -hmm. and he hasn't played in years, really. Mm -hmm. Okay. In fact, he only played a couple of full seasons. Well, no, he played up until he was 29. He came in the league when he was about 22. He had about six, seven years in the league. But was he a backup quarterback for any of those? Near the end, he was benched because yeah. he was not performing on a certain level. But he did take the San Francisco 49ers to the Super Bowl okay. as a starter. All right. So 
he is likely not to have Junior Seau syndrome. No. He probably did not get the kind of shots to the dome that the average quarterback takes over and over again. Plus, maybe, that he was a scrambling quarterback too. Well, maybe, out. maybe not. I mean, they've seen it CTE showing up in college players, so right. it could, high school, players. high school. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. it could be anywhere along that line of your career. Okay, my point is though, not only did he win eighty million dollars in a settlement. Uh, he got a rather significant payoff from Nike before this. Correct? Still getting paid by Nike. Right. And he is considered an iconic figure above and beyond most professional football players. This is true. This is true. So I would say that Colin Kaepernick pretty much won big. But I would say, in terms of why he knelt, the issue of police brutality, that issue has not been moved forward. No, it's, in it way. still exists. And, and it but has, it hasn't been moved forward well, because of Colin Kaepernick. It, it hasn't changed. That he gets more recognition for his work now than, say, a Jim Brown did in his day for actual work that Jim sure, Brown did. Sure, but on the other hand, now owners of sports franchises may think twice before they go, you know what, the idea of stifling free exp- expression and free speech in America is a loser idea. Let the ball players express themselves. They're free citizens in a free country. Yes, they are working for us at this time, but that doesn't mean the First Amendment disappears. Gentlemen, a pleasure. It's 8.30, Southern California Live with Wendell. We'll be back. Well, do I ever cross your mind? Do I, do I? Southern Cal. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. California Live with Wendell at 836. Thanks to Mo, Tawala, Johnny Venom, and everybody else. Did such a fine job this evening. On this uh, on and off rainy Sunday night. I can't believe that I've actually come to the place where I think to myself, and I said this earlier, oh, to just have four or five days of sunshine. <laughs> you know, last night, I was coming down off the mountain to get on the freeway. So we uh, stayed in, in Palm Springs last night, and I'm coming off the mountain from, uh, is it uh, Moreno Valley, Morongo Valley, whatever that town is called after Yucca Valley. And you go through the little notch there and then through that super windy spot on the side of Desert Hot Springs. Then you get to the freeway. It was like 36 degrees out and it was pouring. And I thought, oh, it's going to turn to snow and I'm going to freeze and get stuck here. And that's not why I moved to California, you know. But we do need the water. I understand. I'm, I'm down with it, you know. But I don't know how much longer I'm going to be down with it before I just start saying if I wanted to be in Massachusetts, I'd be in Massachusetts, and I'm not. Um, it is interesting that um, one of the subjects of conversation this morning was at, at breakfast when we were all together was over 
this we were out in Palm Springs and I guess it's like some arts festival weekend and the streets were absolutely jammed and it was you know it's like a, a madhouse in Palm Springs and um my my kids being city kids are you know completely cognizant of of how Palm Springs is not like a typical American city even you know it's a small city at that but you know they were they're completely cool with it nothing had to be explained to them about the folks that proliferate in Palm Springs they were they're they know they just understand that you know they were raised in a different environment than I was so stuff that I had to sort of find out through trial and error they just know because it's around them and it's a weird thing that families can have so many differences of of perspective and opinion and still remain families even though it's odd that in America now we are at a very precarious place family-wise and what I mean is is that the more that I get to know people who are you know make up various families and not all of them are on the same page about all kinds of different subjects you see a level of dismay and rancor and one-upsmanship in families now on the issue of politics that you never used to see. Um, I come from an unusual family background in that my father's family were, uh, other than my, my father's mother, who was a social worker in the 1940s for Harvard University, my grandfather was a conservative Republican. My father was a very conservative Republican. His brother, my uncle, who was the only one of those people living, also a conservative Republican. On the mother's side of my family, uh, my grandfather was a labor organizer. His ex-wife was an artist. They were socialists. And, uh, you know, my mom was very far to the left. My father was far to the right. But, you know, for whatever reason... They got along as long as they did. It wasn't politics that broke my parents up. In reality, they never should have been married to each other anyway. They just weren't compatible as people. They weren't the same kind of people. They didn't have the same interests. And I don't think it was over politics. But what I see now when I talk to people who are complaining about their relatives being either too liberal or too conservative and they're not going to have them over for Thanksgiving or Christmas or they don't want to have anything to do with them, or they have nothing but contempt for uh, the way they feel about various issues. Um, I know that when my two grandfathers would get together and talk, despite the fact that one of them hated uh, organized labor the way you would hate plague, and the other one organized labor unions at Sikorsky back in Connecticut in the 1950s, Um, their children were married to each other. They had grandchildren. I'm one of them. And so at family get-togethers, even though my uh, maternal grandfather lived in another state, my father's father lived uh, one town over from us, Uh, but my mom's father lived in Connecticut. We lived in eastern Massachusetts. Um, The subject of politics, and and my dad was a contentious, combative sort of person and loved to bring up politics, especially 
you know, being a conservative Republican in eastern Massachusetts in the 60s and 70s wasn't easy. There were no conservative anythings back then. The Republicans in Massachusetts then were liberals. The Democrats were more liberal. Um, (laughs) But, you know, to be a proud Barry Goldwater, Ronald Reagan Republican, as my father was, was to be very lonely, you know, and he was uh, part of the Young Americans for Freedom, and he was a, a Reagan delegate to the Republican Convention in 1976 that Gerald Ford beat Reagan at. Um, he was very proud of all this stuff, but he knew that he was alone. He was outnumbered, and so, it, you know, when he would get into political discussions with people that weren't like-minded, and he tended to try to find people that were on the same page as him— he tended to tread a little more lightly. The thing is, though, is these people weren't blood relatives. And what I see now is when people talk about their families and, and talk about their absolute horror that someone in their family uh, voted for Donald Trump or somebody in their family is a devout fan of Jill Stein, say, or Bernie Sanders, you know, or... Uh, can you believe that he voted for Hillary Clinton like that woman is a criminal, you know, that kind of thing. And it's there's a lot of go for the jugular stuff that just didn't exist before. I mean, families fight with each other. One of the great luxuries about being somebody's blood relative is that the politess sort of disappears in a way. I mean, as, as a musician, I always found that the bands that I played in were a lot more like families than family because you chose your bandmates. You, I didn't choose my brothers or my parents. You know, I'm related to them whether I like it or not. But I don't want to play in a band with Jim or Bob or Jill or Joe or whatever. I don't, you know. But if I choose to, then that kind of family is a lot stronger, you know. And, and the, the yelling and the screaming is a lot stronger too, you know. But I found that in, in America now that this embrace of politics as an intrinsic part of somebody's identity has gotten really, really weird. I played in a band for about four years with a, a bass player way, way back. And he was... I believe back then in the late 70s, I was sort of a Republicanish, semi-conservative sort of person. I was, you know. And he was a kind of a wise Alex, smart arse, lefty. Okay. But we never fought over politics. We didn't care. We cared about uh, playing in a good band, drawing people to our shows, uh, making good music. Uh, having our songs presented in the strongest possible light. That's what we cared about. Politics was nothing. Well, you know, now that we're middle-aged men, and uh, I veered to the left, and he decided that redneck chic was how he wanted to go in his life, we just, we don't have a lot of common ground anymore. You know, partially because... You know, I don't, I, it is true that a part of my politics informs my identity. I'd be lying if I said that I was above that or immune to that sort of thing. That would be crap. You know me well enough to know that I am identified with certain points of view that I'm vociferous and passionate about. On the other hand, I'm not going to wear clothes or cut my hair 
or have a certain style that identifies me as a certain kind of person. I've been wearing the same uniform since 1977, pretty much, with only very slight variations. Um, my former bandmate, however, um, is very, uh, you know, this has this sort of pseudo uh, hillbilly thing going on. And, it ma- and in order to make this a more effective representation of the persona he wishes the world to see, he's become very loudly uh, recidivist in his politics. Um, we, I don't think we have ever... I've, I've seen what his opinions are on social media. and I think I've answered a few of them, you know, lightly and pleasantly and, you know, kind of poking fun at him. But I wouldn't go for his jugular. We're not in a band anymore. You know, you go for somebody's jugular when they're out of tune all the time or when they show up for rehearsal late, you know, or they're drunk, you know, or they're obnoxious or they've enraged the press or radio or management or people that you need to help you. You know, we never did that sort of thing. One thing that we prided prided ourselves on in that band is we showed up on time for every single gig. We did what we were supposed to do. We delivered. We were a punk band, but we were still operating by the the rules and the laws of being professional entertainers. Namely, the you know how the audience feels about you is important, and the staffs of the venues that you play in they're important too. On the other hand, you know, now that we're not, you know, in the in in the trenches together fighting the good fight for the greatness and glory of sacred rock and roll, uh, we don't communicate because our paths have diverged, and because I don't like the idea that you would assume a persona and then decide if I'm going to be this kind of person, I've got to do A, B, C, and D, and I got to wear a certain outfit that goes along with it. I mean, to me, that ter- that turns you into a cardboard caricature and not a person. You know, you would be sh- you listen to me. We talk. I've been on this station on KFI and uh, RKO in Boston, the one in San Francisco, whose name I can't remember, and Sirius for 16 and a half years now, you know, and I know that you are surprised every so often when I take a certain point of view that you think doesn't jibe with what I'm supposed to be affiliated with. Well, guess what? I have some complexities being a a person. You know, I have tendencies that are not like that of the people that I am affiliated with allegedly. Isabella is about to weigh in here. She just punched on the microphone. She is motivated to talk. You know, just because I label myself when I vote a Democrat doesn't mean I always agree with everything they say. Sometimes I do feel like I have more conservative views, and I feel like just as a person and being self-aware, you're allowed to feel any way you feel. You would think that. But the thing is, is that we have become almost like the kind of people who root for a sports franchise and paint their faces the team's color. I don't get why politics came that way. It's not supposed to be that way. It's supposed to be, what positions do you represent that benefit me personally and directly and don't harm other people? Okay, that's what I want to hear from a politician. That's what I care about. But I, I am in a family that has very widely diverse political opinions okay from you know even even my children don't necessarily agree with me and I'm not going to be like my dad did with me and kind of bullhorn me down 
Although there came a certain point in my life when I started getting tired of the things that my father said because they just, they were so ridiculous that I felt like, you know, I may love my dad and he is a larger than life figure in many ways, but when he's wrong, he's wrong and you got to say so. You know, when you're, uh, you know, when your children are wrong, when your parents are wrong, when your cousins are wrong, when your spouse is wrong, when you don't agree with them, you know, let them know. You have to let them know. But it doesn't mean you hate them or you think that they're a piece of crap as a human being. You just don't agree with them on certain things. You know, you kind of wish they would see the light, but maybe they never will. It's not up to you for that to happen. Southern California Live with Wendell. It's 8.50. We'll be back. Yeah, Southern California Live with Wendell at 8.56. With my intrepid staff in in tow, including our new producer, Ms. Isabella herself. There she is. Uh, You were shocked to find that a road trip from Rancho Cucamonga to Culver City is long and unpleasant. I didn't realize how long it was. I knew it was close enough to Burbank where I was like, okay, we can go there. I didn't realize all the freeways I had to take, that the 405 was a part of it. It was not fun. You are a native Californian, am I right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And you not merely a native Californian, but in the southern part of the state. Yes. This This is true. Yes. Okay. And you were born in 1996, yes. correct? Yes. Okay. So that means that you have always lived in Southern California, and you've always lived in a Southern California that was overbuilt with an infrastructure that couldn't accommodate as many automobiles as it does. All of those things are true statements, am yes. I right? And yet today... When you sauntered from Rancho Cucamonga all the way to Culver City, which is more or less in West Central Los Angeles, you and your family were baffled to find what a long, strange, unpleasant trip it is. We're from the Inland Empire. (laughs) And I know it makes a difference. It does. Out there, if I want to go somewhere that's 10 miles, it's probably like 15 minutes away. It's not that bad. Not necessarily. It's not as bad as it is being in the city. I have a question for yes. you. Okay, Ms. Inland Empire here. You're on the 60 freeway at 4.30 in the afternoon going through Riverside, California. It was earlier. I'll Give give me that. It okay. was early. It was okay. like 1 o'clock. All right. I'm saying rush hour going through Riverside. Riverside is not a major city. Okay. You know. Being from the Inland Empire, that if you are on that road going through Riverside, you're going to be crawling, correct? Yeah. Yeah, you are. All right. All right. That's in the Inland Empire, which I don't know that much. Is San Bernardino technically in the Inland Empire? I think we consider, yeah. Okay. I'll I'll take it. All right. You go up the 215 from the 10 into San Bernardino and up into the foothills and stuff. That is one agonizingly slow, crushing drive. I think there's only two lanes, though. That's it's why. Some, in parts of it, yeah. Okay. But still. Because the backstory here is Isabella came in and said, man, I'm just exhausted from this trip to Culver City. And I'm thinking to myself, 
How did you not know it was going to be hell on earth? It's Los Angeles. We have the worst traffic in the world. Only What, only Shanghai is worse than us. Although, I am told by my friends back in the motherland that there are commutes in Boston, Massachusetts, little old Boston, that are twice as long. I read a report this week that Boston has the worst traffic, not L.A. Wow. You can't imagine how good that makes me feel right this moment. (laughs) That my inner mass, you know what, is being put to sleep. Southern California Live with Wendell. It is 9 o'clock. We'll see you next week. Have a good one. Peace and bye-bye. KEIB Los Angeles. This is The Patriot. AM 1150. Broadcasting throughout the Southland and all over the world on iHeartRadio. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.